This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Practically Pastoring, a podcast by pastors, for pastors who want to share ideas, become better shepherds, and have a good time with friends. My name is Frank Gill. Typically, I'm in Milwaukee, but today I'm in the jewel of Tampa Bay, sunny Safety Harbor, Florida. All the way from Baltimore, Maryland, my friend Jeffrey Carlos Simpson. Hello. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, Delmar Pete. Hello there. And next to me in the balmy Florida heat, Andrew Larson and Timothy Miller. That's us. Party on, Frank. Guys, it is good to be here. I, I said this earlier, the moment you drive south of the Mason-Dixon line, people just don't care about COVID. And in the state that has half a million positive cases, more than most countries, um, the safest place in Florida was for sure Disney. No questions. It's a safe place. It's a magical place. They, uh, they've eliminated the virus at Disney. And they lather you up in hand sanitizer. It's really body sanitizer. It's it's pretty crazy. Does that help uh, the idolatry while you're there or what? <laughs> well, no, it reinforces it. Oh, oh, um, sensitive. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of sensitive, um, have you guys ever taken a photo with your stomach sticking out and your pants unbuttoned next to a woman who's not your wife? Definitely, that's I take no- photos like that with my wife on a that's regular a no- basis. That's <laughs> another conversation. Would that be appropriate podcast. to post with your wife at all? I mean, or would that, I just don't know if that's an appropriate photo at all. I'm not even. I'm not even talking about appropriate or not appropriate. I'm just saying, like, what did you think was going to happen? I, I know if you're not familiar, which I don't know how you're not familiar. With I this, hope you're not. This podcast. But um, um, a friend of the show, Jerry Falwell Jr. Good friend hey, Jerry. of the show, <laughs> frequent guest. Yeah, frequent fun. Hey, listen, if y'all know a church opening, my guy might be looking for a job soon. So, (laughs) yeah, he um, preferably in the south. He was on a yacht party, and um, I guess there was like a trailer trailer park boys theme, and he posted a picture where he had some sort of dark beverage next to a woman who was black water. If I'm not mistaken, it was iced coffee. I'm sure iced coffee. It was was a cold brew. It was a cold Um, brew. And uh, and he had a picture where his belly was sticking out, and his pants were unbuttoned next to a, the woman who had like a similar um, situation. And I, I think like before we go into any clergy cliff notes or talk about what we're going to talk about today, I think there is like a really practical lesson for us in there. Is is uh, is is a how much do you share online? We talked about that in a clergy cliff note the other day, but B, that was before you shared. More than a hundred posts a day from Disney World. Hey, oh if we're bro, talking about listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm how muted much your you share. <laughs> I don't need to go to Disney now. Yeah, I, I'm good. I dreamed about Disney this weekend because I was looking at Frank's story. I'm not even making that up. I dreamed about Disney. So is Frank the line that's just too far without getting fired? And then Frank if you unbutton your Jerry pants, Falwell. Then... <laughs> somewhere in between Frank and Jerry, that's really how I, I think operate. It should be to the left of Frank a little bit. 
I'm, I am no, like, people say this like I should be offended. I do not care. I, I had the best time of 2020, literally. Good. We're and going hey, to do for you. That was a really high bar we set there, too, for that and one. Maybe Jerry Falwell Jr. had the best time of 2020 on that boat. My, my for a little while. In, for a little while. My wife asked me last night, so should we share pictures of our Disney trip? Like, we don't want. To like flaunt to people that don't feel comfortable in our church that, you know, we're out and about at Disney. So should we even share pictures while we're at Disney? And I just thought to myself, I can't wait to have this conversation tomorrow because <laughs> boy, are we in favor of sharing pictures of, from Disney World on this podcast. We will share some Disney photos. Andrew, you'll be there this week. I'll be there on Friday. There's a lot of Disney happening on this podcast, guys. I'm sorry. I, I think like, like, I mean, yeah, there might be a conversation of like, if you have a lot of people in your church that are uncomfortable and thinking about COVID, maybe there's a thing. I think here's a good conversation because I know I'm sure people listening have very um, diverse views on this topic. There was one thing particular about the Jerry Falwell Jr. thing that made me think about my Disney trip because I was at Epcot. People have diverse the- views on his picture? I don't. No, not on his picture, but a specific thing that was in his pictures. Um, I was at Epcot during the Food and Wine Festival, right? And so there's lots of food, but there's also lots of alcohol all throughout Epcot. Lots of beverages. Lots I of beverages. love and, food and I wine know festival. like within um, I, mean, I I'm always a person that would show my cards. I come from a tradition that doesn't mind alcohol. I, I live in Milwaukee. Our baseball team is called the Brewers. True. Like beer and alcohol is not an issue. Whereas my my brother in law. He graduated from, I think, Southeastern Seminary. And so he probably signed a covenant that he's never allowed to, you know, be in a bar probably. I don't know if that's even true. Delmar, is that true? Like, are you even allowed as a Southern Baptist to be, like, within 100 yards of alcohol? Um, I mean, well, right now everybody has a mask on, so it's fine. Because you can't even recognize (laughs) (laughs) it. Isn't that that old saying? If you want to, uh, if you want to. Yeah, invite two, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think it's actually kind of torn in the Southern Baptist Church because um, everyone's independent. So like, for example, our church is pretty open and fluid with that. They're like, hey, just don't sin. Yeah, fluid, fluid with the fluids. There you go. Yeah, I like that. But like, that's so that's the thing. It's like, let's say, at, like, if you are a pastor that does like to partake on an occasional cocktail or a beer or something like um, and you're not in a church that necessarily is against alcohol. Um, is it inappropriate to still post it because you are a pastor and that is like there are specific passages about pastors and elders not being given too much wine or whatever and like the appearance of evil i would like to know what your thoughts are because there's a in, in the pictures from the crew the, the little yacht trip there was a lot of tobacco smoking and uh alcohol everywhere and uh, if you attend this university you could face expulsion if you have that well, it's interesting because a generation ago, that would not have been an issue. Like, I don't know any any pastors a generation older than me that I could think, like, my father-in-law would never have been posting about it if he was partaking in it. So it's just an interesting... To me, I mean, the question underneath it to me is, like, why do you feel the need to post so much? Mm, just, good. like, you don't have to post on social media. Yeah, I think... I mean, you can, show. but you don't have to. It was on this show where, I think, was it last week? Where someone said... Uh, Every, it, um, not everything that is true needs to be said. Was that you who said that? No, I think it, it, it. Someone said it. Sure, I think it I'll was our guest. <laughs> it was yeah, our it was guest. That. It was the controversial uh, Bachman. J. Bach. The, the controversial box. But um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's true. Like, and and I guess that's that's the ultimate thing that I think when it comes to Jerry Falwell thing is like, there's probably a lot of context 
I mean, I'm giving him a huge benefit of the doubt. Huge benefit of the doubt. There's maybe a lot of context that we're missing in some of these photos that could maybe just be misconstrued. By and someone probably hacked his account and posted that photo, and there was no way he could Deep ever. Fakes are a real problem. Yeah. Um, I'm oh, sure man. his severance package, or you know, he's. I'm sure he's still getting paid more than any of us to not go to work for the next school year. So I really don't feel all that bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think. I think. Obviously, Jerry didn't listen to our podcast two weeks ago when we talked about social media and what to share and stuff like that. We tried to you cover know, that for you, Jerry. I know. If he would have just been tuning in, we'd... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will say this. The the boldness of that man is impressive. Like, he, I mean, he's just like, I'm not going to get in trouble for posting this. And he posted it. And he, I mean, he did get in trouble. But so, so, in regards of boldness, the line would be somewhere between Jerry and MacArthur. Is that kind of... Yeah, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac. One is I'm going to defy rules that I hold other people towards, and the other is I'm just going to defy rules. Wasn't there people in the New Testament that Jesus talked to that did that stuff, like held other people to (laughs) rule? I think it was the Pharisees or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I feel like that was a thing. I don't think he. I don't know, man. I I got people from my community who are wanting to fly to California to go to his church, so I feel that. You know what's interesting is there's people in my community. Will they tithe ten percent of that airline ticket to you? <laughs> they should. They should. There's people all three dollars for that thirty dollar airline ticket these right. days. Who want to fly to California to go be a part of that um, Sean Freud worship services on the beach? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I think he was in he was in Portland, right? He was in Portland. Yeah, he was yeah. in Portland, the most recent one. Yeah. And like, it's really interesting. Like, I looked at pictures of that. I saw a picture of it recently. There was like a ton of people. No one was wearing masks. Right. But it was also like could have been a Trump rally. So I have people from my congregation posting about that and they are opposing views. And I don't know if they know that they're both posting about the same thing and they're tackling it from very different perspectives. It's very interesting. So as a pastor, I'm just kind of on the sidelines here watching and waiting to see if like, is it going to erupt? Are they going to eventually fight? And and they're both like younger members of my congregation. So it's really fascinating. Speaking of Trump rallies hurting people's feelings. In the time from I was I missed a show while I was on vacation, but I came back from my vacation a day early because I was asked to drive a van in the motorcade when Which was President awesome. Trump visited. It was a great social media post. I posted I posted a picture of Air Force One because I was sitting in a van on the tarmac. How dope is that? I got to drive a awesome. van out on the tarmac. Pretty dope. And I had one member of our church who was very upset with me that I would even drive a van. I was like, I, what, what are you supposed to do? Well, you were worshiping Trump. I was not worshiping <laughs> Trump. I was never within 300 yards of Trump, but I, I was driving a van and it was fun because I got to go over the bridge at like 80 miles an hour with just one car length between me and the other car and motorcycle cops escorting me everywhere. That's pretty cool. So like, why wouldn't ha- you post that? I, exactly. <laughs> but I was like, the one picture, but I went out of my way to be like, all right, what is the least offensive? Like, what's the least divisive thing I can post? And it was, here's a picture of the most famous airplane in the world at sunset from, you know, 70 yards away. It was a, a cool, great shot. It was a cool and, angle, too. It should it should be an Apple shot on iPhone commercial. I agree. Was, thank you. Thank you for that. Who was in the van? Was there like a Secret Service? So um, I got patted down by Secret Service a few times. That was fun. Lucky. They must spend a ton of money on dry Patted cleaning because they were sweaty. Those oh, men were I, I sweaty. Um, well, it was Tampa. I mean, yeah. I, but true. My van was was the guests, and which means the people that were there for the fundraiser that were 
either elected officials. I had one of I had one Florida state or Florida senator. Rick Scott was in my van for about five minutes, but then he got what? out to ride in the other van that had more room. Ricky Rick jerk. And then on the way back, it was just me and one of the president's chief aides, who I don't know that I'm allowed to say who it was, Ooh. but we talked about college soccer, and it was very exciting. Ooh. So are you on some special list now that you can be called upon by our federal government to do amazing things? So the story is my childhood best friend worked in the Bush White House, and one of his former colleagues called him and said, hey, uh, his former colleague is working in the Trump administration and said, "Uh, you're from Clearwater, right? We're coming through next week. Do you have anybody that would want to drive a 15-passenger van that could pass a Secret Service background check? And he said, my best friend was a youth pastor for 15 years. He's driven a whole lot of 15-passenger vans, and I'm pretty sure he would pass your background check. So they called me based on that. Pretty and sure. And you barely passed. Yeah, and I passed. Pretty sure. So, um, it was awesome, but I didn't mean it to be offensive. I just wanted to take a picture how of an airplane. How dare you, and you then, political and pundit. I just wish something like happened where the Secret Service calls you. Like, we just have one question. <laughs> On an episode of your podcast, you talk about <laughs> waffle stomping. And on on episode sure eighty six, president's age. You and are now officially part of the uh, court, the evangelical court jesters. There you go. That's me. That's you. You're in now. That is me. Oh man! Um, real quick, before we dive into clergy cliff notes, Jeff, um, you're the only one here that has outdoor services, right? I think so. Yeah, I. And I feel like you have pretty interesting situations, albeit your daughter saying something or doing something, whether it's Amazon packages, whether it's weather. I would love to hear some of like the crazy stuff that's happening to you because for all of us, our biggest issue is probably like technology. But what is your – you have some more unique issues happening. Man, you sounded so mega church. Right there for all of us, uh, you know. All day, I just being made fun of is like oh, campus pastor. I can't for all of us who I preach have. once every eight weeks, all we worry about. I quit. Frank's gone. Oh man! But you know, we got enough um, preaching clips of Frank last week to hold us over for at least another <laughs> eight weeks. Did your staff post those for you, or do you post those, guys? Wow, like, was nothing. I, I, uh, like we just got into like putting videos of our sermons online during COVID, and like that's the reality. So I've been saying for years, it's like we should like chop up the sermons and put them online. And I'm hope this is this is me leading from below, right? That's like a book or something. Totally. I'm trying to. That's say, how that hey, goes. If we can chop down a piece of our sermons, like three minutes, put it online. People will people oh, that's like it. Entrance ramps. That's good. But I've only yeah. ever seen you do it when your sermons are on. Because that's the only one I have access to is my sermon. Uh, the share button Look, doesn't a... work unless he's preaching. You know that. He's squirming I, so hard right now. I, because I don't I don't want to be Because him anybody Frank is the guy. least Frank is the least person I know that's like that. So it's so great that I know, right? <laughs> But I'm also, also hey, campus pastor that has Premiere Pro on his computer. So how was that? How was that? Hey, how was that Cuban bread you got? Was it so great? So good. People don't get it. People who people don't get Florida it, man, don't understand yep. how amazing Cuban bread is. Y'all, if Cuban you coffee too, Frank, man. You can relate oh. to this. And and Dell, you have Publix where you are, right? Yeah. Like the the loss in your heart of Publix subs when you move out of the South, it's real. Oh my gosh, it's so real. Like when I went back, the last time I went back, I think I was I was back for ten days, and I I had seven or eight Publix subs. Publix, <laughs> it was out of control, dude. But Publix was... cannolis, man. Have you ever had a Publix? No, never can- had it. Now oh, another thing to add, and the sweet tea dude. too. The add sweet that tea. to your list. Add okay, it. funny outside uh, stories. Uh, let's see. 
Well, there's the cars that drive by and honk. Um, <laughs> the honk for Jesus? Does I, that mean amen? I don't know. I'm going to say yes. Sure. <laughs> um, the, you know, people are like, people are funny because some of them, some of them are just like, they don't care. They're fine with it. They just show up with their chair. There's one lady that like seriously sits on like a little footstool. Like she squats like she's on a footstool. Like I feel like squatters. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Then we have other people that have like their chair and a blanket, and they have like a little fan and an umbrella, and they're just like ready for it, man. They're 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 prepared. But the two afterwards. I mean, that's what it looks like. The two funniest things that have happened. Well, I told you about the lady. I think a couple weeks ago that like pulled up. Well, she was walking on the sidewalk, saw her service, stopped, listened for four or five minutes, walked away, and then she pulled up in her car into our parking lot and listened from our parking lot for the next 15 or 20 minutes, like rolled her window down and listened. So that was kind of cool. Two two Sundays ago, my – so we're in the middle of the service, and my daughter is five, and she's there, and, you know, we've told everybody – you know, it's a no touch service and there's no bathrooms or anything, blah, blah, blah. But it's I live in a parsonage and where we do the outdoor services in my front yard of the house I live in because <laughs> there's two big trees that have nice shade. So my daughter is sitting there and she has to go to the bathroom. So she gets up and goes in the front door of her house because she lives there. And my dog escapes from the front door and runs out into the middle. This is during a song runs out into the middle of everybody standing there and pees right in the front yard. Just right in the middle middle of everybody. And then he runs up, like, sniffs the guy leading worship with a ukulele. And I didn't see him until he was mid-pee. Like, I didn't know. I just looked over, and he was mid-pee. So I ran up and grabbed him, brought him back in the house. And then this week, a my wife, I guess, ordered dog food on Amazon. So the Amazon delivery guy, like, rolled up and didn't, like, he looked free. He didn't know what to do. It was like. Because Amazon delivers on Sunday. Yeah. They they absolutely do. Well, we have an Amazon hub, like, not even a block away. That's a good evangelism strategy. So there are some things that are, like, same day that I get in, like, an hour. It's crazy. I could could walk out of where I'm sitting right now and take a five-minute walk, and I'd be at a warehouse that's an Amazon hub. So yeah. does your dog not bark at the people in your front yard? My dog would go nuts no. if there were 40 people having church in our front yard. No, he just chills in the house. Um, we do have like one of those bark sound things that we turn mm. on once in a while. But he's, You cruel he's, he's owner. He's pretty old, so he, he's just like whatever. But yeah, the Amazon guy didn't know what to do, and a lady was sharing. Uh, I have people giving testimonies about stuff that God has taught them during COVID. Oh. And a lady was sharing, and the Amazon guy like didn't know what to do, so he just kind of snuck up to a person in the back row of lawn chairs and like slid the box of dog food <laughs> next to them, and then like snuck away and got in his truck and drove. So that was pretty funny. So, but neither of those things actually got onto the into the camera shot on the live stream. So like you only know that that happened if you were there or if we're tuning you. in right now. Then I'll tell you another funny thing. I went and preached at the Baptist church next door to us hey. uh, because they're in the middle of finding a pastor. And I got accosted in the lobby by a guy who used to be a member of my church who left like eight years ago, like long before I got here and was like mad at me asking me why our church was meeting outside when we should be meeting in the building. And I was like, it was before I was supposed to walk up and preach at his new church Wow. And I finally was like, hey, um, you don't even go to church there, so <laughs> don't worry about it. 
It was just it was just funny, man. People are so strong opinionated. Oh, I'm sure we have a we all have like a list of things of like things that were told to you right before you preach that is like could this have been any other time of the week? There's Please. literally twenty three other hours today that I would rather you say this to me and six other days a week. So basically this is a one percent time of my week i don't want to hear from you and it's right now yep i cut them off mid-sentence and say do you have my email address that's usually how i just i will end those pre-preaching conversations i have gotten i have gotten texts correcting me in the middle of a sermon that i happened like you know my phone was sitting there for time and it was like the text came through with the person's name and i'm looking at them like dude really (laughs) Yeah, I put my iPad on airplane mode when I preach. Yeah, so that way I should. I don't see notifications. And my Apple Watch. One time right. I forgot to cut that off while I was preaching, and some people found out and started texting me to be funny because my funny. watch was just I would do that if I was going in your church. <laughs> and, well, they did. <laughs> well, with that, let's, let's transition to some clergy clips. But before we do that, before we go any further, if you're watching the video, you may notice that me and Timothy are wearing matching shirts. We have these brand new practically pastoring shirts they're amazing they're super soft they look so good man they're they are made nice. by a, a friend of the show sunday cool and um and we're going to talk more about sunday cool in the, in the weeks to come but we want to give away these shirts so here are some of the things we want to do um dym is a great name pick me generator thing so we're going to use that in an upcoming show but what we want to do is this we have a facebook group that has what a hundred and maybe 120 members in it or so Maybe a little Roughly. more than that. I want to see that Facebook group grow too. And Delmar and Jeff, you, we haven't talked about this, so, so you can tell yeah, me. Yeah, if you is... guys would have showed up at lunch today, you could have yeah. voted. But no, yeah. where you were guys you? Had to live in other states. Sorry, we didn't know. I'd we, I would, I'd say, we want to make that group up to five hundred people. I just want to make my group have more followers than Jerry Falwell Jr. Let's do it. <laughs> it should be pretty easy now because I'm sure he's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I want to grow the Facebook group to 500 people. So we have 500 people to talk about how the service went and all this other stuff and how we can pray for one another. Um, the Instagram, I think early this morning, I saw we had like about 320 or 350 people. I want to see that easily get to 500. If not, we, we should, we could probably get to a thousand people on Instagram. And then I, I think I saw like 30 reviews, which I think overwhelmingly are five-star reviews, which is great. Cause that means we're doing something good. But uh, I, I want to see that increase tremendously. So here is the thing. We have a bunch of shirts. We probably have like about 20 shirts, maybe a little more, maybe a little less than 20 shirts that we can give away. I want to give those all away completely. I don't want to sell anything. So I'm going to give away 20 shirts. And the way you can win a shirt is by um, inviting someone to the, to, the, uh, to the Facebook group, by joining the Instagram. If you're not in this, you should be in these things. And then um, – and then uh, also uh, rating reviewing the podcast. So everyone who puts a, a review in the podcast, their name will be in the generator. Um, there'll be a post on Instagram and on Facebook that says invite someone there. If you've invited someone, then uh, just print a comment. I've invited you. Your name goes in there. And if I see your name multiple times on Facebook, Instagram, and, and, and the iTunes review, your name gets thrown in there um, multiple times. Now, if you're like, hey, I use Google Podcasts or whatever. Or I use Spotify. That's great. I just let us know, and I'll figure out where I can find your name because I literally don't know what the review systems are. Those things are. But uh, if you do this, your name will be entered to win a shirt, and we're giving away a ton of shirts. There's a lot of opportunities. Hopefully, a lot of mediums because um, 
That's all we got. I'm just kidding. And I think you need to be clear. These are not just like your old stiff Gildan shirts. No, these are like soft Hanes beefy. I can I can go I can go right now to Ebor and do highlight. That's a true. I would absolutely absolutely pay to see that happen. Highlight this big like I don't know the cornucopia looking. uh, Yep, that's it. Highlight. That's that's an amazing sport. Basically, you know those things that you would play with at the beach when you were a little kid. Yes, where you throw the wiffle ball back and forth. Yeah, make that a full contact sport with a croquet ball and and then tons of smoke throwing it like 150 (laughs) miles an hour or something. Right, like they throw that thing. The only people who watch highlight are just chain smokers and degenerate gamblers. (laughs) Degenerate. Yeah, that too. Right outside of that is where they race dogs. That's super sad. Welcome to Florida, and don't worry, the cockfight is illegal now. So you can't go, but they used to all three be together. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just that sounds like a flea market in South Carolina. <laughs> Very well I can get my deodorant and chicken beach. within 500 yards of each other. Dude, there's a Latin <laughs> market saying. here where they're killing live birds. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Oh, and there's, right. like, there's like live eels I can buy. It's wild. If you, if you want a shirt, you know what to do. We'll talk about it at the end of the show again. High quality. Uh, Great quality shirt. All of us and our and our spouses. Former youth pastors know their t-shirts. Let's just you say that. That would look very good on a t-shirt. Jeffrey, just, let's get oh. really practical because you have a really practical clergy. It's it's a thousand degrees in here, by the way, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what is I'm happening? sweating so, so bad right now. You're in Florida. Florida. Great. You, want. And you're, you don't have a church secretary anymore? No, she, she leaves at one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Not everybody is you, Frank, with a secretary. Okay. Sorry. I don't have a secretary. <laughs> Jeff, what's your clergy clip now? <laughs> All right. So how many of you guys use Planning Center or some kind of app like Planning Center? All of us? Yes? Me. Not me. Not this okay. guy, but All right, really? I want to hear All Andrew, of us real wanna... pastors what do. You, what do you oh. use? Excel? Oh, hey, don't jump the gun, bro. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So Planning Center just dropped a new thing called Planning Center Publishing. It's pretty cool. Uh, Church Center, if you don't have it, it's a nice app for your congregation. But uh, my question is... I just thought of a number of things that are, like Frank said, very practical. So here's my question for all of you. What do you use for, and there's a list of these, so we can repeat them if we need to, but what do you use for your kind of like church communication in-house? What do you do for social media engagement? What do you do for membership database, online giving? And then um, how do you connect with people during a live stream? Like how how are you doing streaming and how are you connecting with people? So Del, you want to go first? Woo! That's a litany. Yeah. Um, well, we, we use Planning Center to plan all of our services. That's how all of our invites go out for our you know host teams, worship teams, everything. Um, we actually, for the backdoor stuff, as far as inputting data um, conversations, we use ACS. Y'all, from, y'all you ever use ACS? Um, and there's an app called Realm, which is really nice oh, okay, because okay. You, you can just uh, – you can just like if I send anyone out a card – it just goes in realm. I sent them a card and you can have open connections. So if somebody says, Hey, I need to have a talk about baptism. It'll tag me in that connection to let me know I need to talk to them. So we use ACS. Um, we actually have a communications director and some of her, a lot of her stuff for social media. I have seen them. Um, what's it? Is it um, tweet deck or hoot suite? One or two, you know, where you can send out the stuff and earlier. Um, so she's scheduling. Things- scheduling posts beforehand yeah she's scheduling um i do see that our engagement has gone up a lot since she has been actually just actively posting um because i'll be honest when i see a post and i see it's put out by hootsuite i'm like yo that thing was thrown in the can three weeks ago and i just go over it but when i see that a pastor drops something live i'm more inclined to interact with that piece of content so we do use that online giving we do that through uh our website and then also a text to give feature 
And then, um, yeah, live stream, we do have at the central campus, we got that, they got a switcher and they sent it out over everything. Um, man, but I'll tell you late to the game, we've been doing online streaming for like a couple of years and mm-hmm. they just went to YouTube during COVID. I don't know why they were so on YouTube, um, Facebook. Yeah. Vin, Vin, what else? Uh, Vimeo. Okay. Um, yeah. All those, um, the main socials and then Insta. I actually, I know we were ragging on Frank earlier, but I'm a, I, I think doing the clips like that, um, we do we do that every now and then too. So, yeah, try to you know, shotgun it all, man. Um, uh, so in when you in like in house communication, like you mean like inter staff stuff? No, no, no. I mean inter staff. I'm a solo pastor, bro. What do you think of it? <laughs> <laughs> he rolled his eyes so hard on. It. How am I doing? No, Jeff? I mean I'm like well. I mean like if you have like a weekly <laughs> newsletter that you send out your church. He's so uh, mad at me right now. I get you. No, we, I mean, we don't still have anything like that. We do, like, we're still learning how to use social media in an effective way. And so, I mean, we just have a, we have a communications person on staff, and they figure out Instagram and, and Facebook and stuff like so that. So social media is your main way you communicate with the mass of your congregation. And we use MailChimp for, like, oh, email. Well, but we don't do it. But we don't, but we don't, like, we don't do it weekly. We're actually, okay. Like, you just communicate we, when you need to. very careful of how often we use it. Because we, you yeah. know, which is true for all of us, if you send out too many emails, it just becomes noise. And right. so we try to be very careful with that. As far as membership database, I mean, we use Planning Center. We just moved there from something else that was terrible. Um, and then online giving, we use PushPay, which I, don't, I mean, this is like, it's, I don't know. I mean, yeah. insert. No, that's cool. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to give people ideas. Like if they've yeah, never yeah. heard of and these then, things. Um, and then for live stream, we use living as one, which like, all this is like new to us. Like I, like this is a whole new living as one where it, it pushes out to church online um, platform okay. and then Facebook and YouTube. Um, but I, like, I'm interested to hear more about this publishing because I, I looked at the website. I don't quite understand what it does, but um but yeah, that's what we're using. What about you guys? Yeah, we uh, we communicate. We do communicate weekly via Mailchimp. Uh, my lead elder actually uh, put in twenty years with Christianity Today, and he's was one of their head analytics guy. He that's actually so. brought he actually brought Christianity Today online. He was on the online launch team in uh, nineteen ninety two hmm. to bring them online. So he's really big into analytics. So he has been hitting our MailChimp hard and he's doing different things with it. And we're getting more engagement with it now than ever before. So I'll have to get some of the data from him as to what he's doing differently and how it's working for us. So that's our weekly communication. Uh, social media is me. Uh, we, we don't have a, a large staff. So I use Buffer. Uh, every Sunday night before I go to bed, I schedule out seven posts. So we have one post a day and it always goes out at 7 a.m. And so it frees me up in the afternoon. So if I have a three or four o'clock something that I feel like would be great content, I can then post that on the fly or on the cool. spot. But if nothing happens, at least I know something is going to go out every single day from our social media channels. Online giving, we're, we're, we're Planning Center. So we use Planning Center for everything. That's our membership database. We use Planning yeah. Center people. We use Planning Center giving for our online giving, which offers text to give. So it's really nice having everything central and in one spot. Live stream, we do eCam. Uh, it's just nice, easy, pushes straight to Facebook and YouTube, allows us to do uh, overlays and lower thirds for sermons, lyrics, all that stuff. Oh, real quick, I was going to say this. When it comes to – and this this might be like a secret that people don't know or maybe everyone knows and I just realized it. Facebook and Instagram has a thing called Creator Studio mm-hmm. where you can schedule Instagram yeah. posts yeah. 
through Facebook natively, which like up till now, all these third party things have been like kind of hit or miss. Right. Creative Studio is huge because if Yo. you have a Facebook page for your church and an Instagram page that's connected, mm-hmm. you can go to your creator studio and then schedule all that stuff out. And that's been like, like when I introduced that to our communications director, she was like, this just changed my job. <laughs> wow. Like Buffer, all the other ones, they have like these really expensive features to even schedule Instagram. Anyways. Right. So. That's cool. I didn't know about that until you just said that right now. Yeah, so I did not know that. That's creative. Oh, I'm going to get on that. We are about the the most low-tech option for all this stuff. For our in-house communication, we use two apps. Uh, one is called texting and one is called email. They're both available on most smartphones. Wow, cool. <laughs> do data um, fees apply to that, though? Data fees do apply when you're not on Wi-Fi. Not for the texting, uh, unless, you're, unless you're iMessaging. Then data fees uh-huh. will apply. Um, we use, we don't use MailChimp because the previous administration before me set up our website domain and email with a company called Bluehost, which does not get well, get, does not get along well with MailChimp. So we use something called MailerLite. It's the B minus version of MailChimp gets the job done. Oh, so you're we not send- just sending out a mass email with regular email. No, no, no. Oh, no I, I thought send- that's what you meant. No, I was saying like, like to schedule <laughs> like, bands. Oh, man. No, Copy. no. Although, <laughs> although PCC, the please. the other staff member at my church does send out a note a couple times a month that is just an email where she BCCs eighty some email uh. addresses, so that gets sent out. But I don't want to try to teach someone in their mid seventies how to use Mailchimp or MailerLite. So, and she she actually gets way better response and engagement than I do on the the fancy pretty looking ones um we use church tracks for our database system and our online giving they've just added the text to give feature which is cool and then social media is me which is not nearly as disciplined as tim's and he's always yelling at me for it i am and um for our online stuff we decided early in march when all this was happening that we were going to do everything on facebook live and then embed the Facebook Live video onto our church website oh. because we didn't want people to have to learn things that they didn't already know how to do. Mm. And so since most of our people were on Facebook anyway, um, that was the easiest. And then anyone that wasn't on Facebook could watch the Facebook video. We have a live tab on our church website. So every Sunday morning at 9.58, I quickly go in and I grab the embed link from facebook and i drop it into our clover website and hit publish done so so jeff what is what is planning center offering with their new app publishing um from what i I only played around with it a little bit it just made me think uh you know and tim this is a question for you uh i noticed that it's something i had never thought of before but i watched your live stream um a couple times and i think we've mentioned this before i actually got married in your church building so shout out to that um you're welcome yeah it was so hot that day. It was ridiculous. Sorry about that. Yeah, the windows. Anyway, <laughs> I noticed in the there's like a pinned comment in your Facebook Live that has like a connection card, and those are all Church Center links. So That's what right. do you what do you guys all do? Is that what everybody does? I just and how do you do you have that like in a is that like in a document that somebody just copies and pastes every week, or how does that work? So when I um, I use eCam to sh- to broadcast, but I also use Restream the the 
subscription restream to get to Facebook and YouTube. And inside of restream, I can set up all my titles for oh, my cool. broadcasts. So that's when that's I do cool. Acts week nine with the scripture. And then in the description is where I'll put a uh, connection card, online giving. Uh, yeah, and all those links are straight from uh, Planning Center stuff. Cool. We have an elder that has not been to our church since March because of the, the Rona. And um, each and every, they serve as, a couple of different people serve as moderators, but she every week goes and makes sure to pin the comments of, cool. you know, mm-hmm. f- fill out the digital connect card. Here's the online giving link. And it's great because it's something that I don't have to do. Yep. And it gives a task to somebody that feels kind of disconnected since. I'm training um, one of our at home members this week, actually, to take over as moderator on both Facebook and YouTube. So she'll have both browsers open and she will then be liking, commenting and responding. Dude, that's a big that's like a big thing that I really got to do because like I'm balancing all those plates right now and I can feel. So she said I'm not comfortable coming up with stuff to say. So I actually wrote her out stuff she can copy and paste each and every week with just minor tweaks and changes. Awesome. And she will now be on every Saturday night. I send out my sermon manuscript to whoever's running slides in the back so they know when to change slides and lower thirds and everything. So she will now be on that email as well. So she'll have access to my sermon. So she'll be able to copy and paste sermon quotes as I'm saying them directly oh, into nice. the chat as well. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, as to go back to your question, Frank, as far as I understand, publishing is kind of... Uh, so the Church Center app is planning... If your church has Planning Center, you can set it up on Church Center. And then basically you have... Uh, an app for your church. So exactly. your your members would go nice. in and they'd find your church geographically or by name. And then what I, from what I understand, publishing is just allowing you to customize what what's on there. Oh, that's a, so clean. We've been I've been asking them yeah. almost on a monthly basis. When can I start customizing exactly, my church yeah. center app? Like there's some free stuff that's pretty simple. And like I, that's all I did is I just set up the free version of it just for for kicks. And I sent it out. Uh, the, a directory is a big one. So you can have a directory from Planning Center people, and the way that it works is only people who opt in to the invite email to be in the directory can see the directory, which is pretty cool. So it's all connected. We're all Planning Center. Um, I use MailChimp for a weekly email that I call the weekly. And then... Smart. Yes. Very, very creative. Social media is just me, which I'm going to do the Facebook uh, Creator Studio, whatever you said earlier, Frank, because that sounds awesome. Um, I was using a couple of those third-party services. Uh, membership database is Planning Center. People, online giving is Planning Center, which you can do Apple Pay too. Um, yeah. You got to set that up though. And then we use our primary online streaming is um, Church Online because we had enough people that weren't on Facebook, and I wanted to be able to do the, you know, like the um, what do you call it, the simulated live. And I didn't realize Facebook Premiere was that because. I don't know. I'm old. And so we, <laughs> we moved to that. But there was a bunch of people that weren't on Facebook. And our thinking was kind of like it gets us all in the same room instead of being in different rooms. But uh, so we use the moments feature in Church Online platform to do the connection card and stuff. But it's similar to you, Tim, where it's all on Church Center. So, yeah. So that's what we do. Yeah. I think when we throw, we've dropped so many resources right here and I'm, I'm yep. hopefully we'll link a few of these in the show notes. Um, but if you are needing this conversation and you are a pastor who hasn't been in the world as much, I want to encourage you to check out pro church tools. 
They are not sponsors, but hey, if you'd like to, Brady Shear, we're right here. Brady, Brady's yeah. a man. He's a man. Yeah. If y'all if y'all haven't got to uh, exposed to Brady Shear's um, products and everything, I would encourage you to just type it in YouTube, Google, just follow um, just follow them on Instagram, and you'll get so many good ideas. Yeah, you really should, and and you will learn about this just by proximity of following him yeah. because this is the conversation he's always having, and he is always rolling out new products like he's got nucleus which helps you do your website and everything a giving platform that's really cool a, a giving platform he's invented and one of the things that i i think we were even looking at a while back he is rolling out a service where if you're a small church and you're doing everything online you can email him your announcements and he will video record your announcements and send them back to your church so yep. you don't even have to hire a communications director it's insane wow. <laughs> it's insane. So that's pro church tools. And that's just a really low hanging fruit practical. I mean, and people I know from 100 people churches on up to like five, 10,000 people, they, they're kind of hovering around this right now. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's awesome. I think there's a lot of practical stuff. I'll do my best in the show notes. There'll be a lot of the big like tools that we highlighted. I'll put mm-hmm. in there. Um, because yeah, this is all like really good practical stuff that a lot of people, they just don't, I mean, this is why we started the podcast, right? They, people yeah. just don't know because we're not having conversations mm-hmm. and like stuff like Facebook creator studio has always been there, but I didn't know until someone mentions to me, Oh, there's a way to, to schedule Instagram pictures. And I was like, no, there isn't. And then they showed me this link. And I was like, mm, this is crazy. Well, creator studio is only a couple months old. Yeah. It's pretty they recent. Just, they just uh, recently did that because Tim and I had to relearn how to do our Facebook live videos every week once because of creative. because of creative studio it took me being very salty for a few weeks i'm like oh wait no this is super easy yeah. i was just lazy <laughs> delmar uh close us out with your clergy cliff note all right so uh favorite star wars movie to date rogue one of the new batch okay i think we can all be i mean that's fair that's a good meeting ground no matter where you are one of the Love reasons it. it's my, one of the one of the reasons it's my favorite it's a line and it is good. when the line hit me, I wrote it down. I'm like, oh, that's a preaching note. And I actually have it hanging in my office. And it says this careful not to choke on your aspirations. Remember that right when he's ch- like Darth Vader is so such like a dad joke when Darth Vader's saying it. But I'm like, mm, that's actually it's really good because we can. And chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, one of the reasons you're listening to it is because you want to suck less. Right. And you're hoping that we are all trying to suck less. So it just in you want to be better. And I think that that's a good godly ambition that puts in us. But uh, I was on the nine marks website and um, Phil Newton was writing an article about the right and wrong pastoral ambitions. And I just think it's a really good question to have, like, where's the line between like, this is a healthy ambition to have in ministry versus this is not coming from a place of health. It may be coming from a place of insecurity or maybe coming from a place of pride. Does that make sense? Um, like, so do you have any, any boundaries that you would have to kind of keep you in check between, okay, go do this. This is good ambition versus this is not good ambition. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I, I, I often think, I feel like because I was in student ministry for so long without this position of being a campus pastor, where a lot of you guys have been in this a lot longer, I was able to kind of meditate on this thought a lot and actually try to demonstrate this in my student ministry as much as I can. And sometimes it's hard because you don't have the resources that a whole church have in your student ministry. But I, I often think about, I mean, there's so many pastors we can name, whether it's Driscoll, whether it's uh, um, uh, the guy in Willow Creek, whether it's the Bill guy, Hibles. the other guy in Chicago, um, yeah. whether it's Perry Noble, like when the church 
puts the entire weight of the church on this one individual figure, it, the church cannot sustain those shoulders, right? Like mm. the shoulders cannot sustain sustain that. Like one thing I really admire Matt Chandler is him decentralizing his multi-site and making it multiple churches. Even though like I fully support multi-site churches, I admire that because Matt is so trying not to make it about him, even though he's such a great dynamic personality or whatever. And so I often think about like, the more I feel the nudge about making it about me as I'm posting clips of my sermon every day uh, of myself, um, the more I make it about me, the more I'm like concerned of like, this is going to be a problem. And so like the tangible way I was able to do that in my student ministry was to be able to give speaking opportunities to other leaders, um, mm. to be able to even bring students up to kind of raise up the next generation of, of communicators. So that way I'm not the, like, I'm not the face of the ministry, but I'm more of like the the overlord of the ministry, kind of organizing it. That's oh, just be an overlord. So you're not, okay, so you're not Darth bad. Vader. You're the yep. you're the emperor. <laughs> I'm like Wait, the emperor. Way to go, he's not Palpy. Vader. He's not Vader. Yeah, but so I think I think like because I mean I know my shadow side. I know where I'm weak. And if it was up to my flesh, it would be a hundred percent about me. And I would make, you know, I would be the one in the meeting saying like, let's make sure all the cameras are angled towards me and all the directions to be funneled through me. And when I feel those inclinations, and this is not a humble brag, this is me being sincere. When I feel those inclinations, that's when I need to press against my own desires and be like, okay, I need to make someone else to face. I need to uh, encourage and push someone else because when it's more about me, then the ministry is going to go wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Kind of like more I think about me, the more I'm like, why don't I start up? Why don't I help start a podcast with a bunch of guys who are like so much better than me, you know? So, so is that, is that a, a, it's exactly so much it. better? <laughs> now, well, and you know, we're, this, looking. Like, we're wearing the same shirt. He's a model. I look like a tomato wrapped in a brown gray cloth. Okay. Anyways, sorry. Well, I, well, I, we are equally influencing each other. I mean, I got you to trim your beard to my beard height. I, I wow. feel like that's a, the win of 2020. Um, but you, you know, some of this was the predicated on 2020. Such a low bar. Well, okay. Then there we go. <laughs> but some, yeah. some of this, one of the reasons I went here with this article is it's actually because of um, a podcast you guys sent me. You sent me that podcast, man, if you haven't heard it, this needs to be in the show notes, um, where the guy sat down with the two elders from Mars it's Hill. It's good. It's and, so good. And it, wow. he talked about just what happened when Mars Hill went down. And there, actually, this part two just came out recently. And I remember yep. one line that was recorded that Mark Driscoll said, and I'm going to be honest, I, I don't think he started here in his heart, but because the church loved him, he allowed his heart to go here. And he said... I am the brand, uh, you know, in that he said, he goes, me standing on a stage, holding the Bible. That's what moves Mars Hill. And when I heard that, I was like, man, okay, we may not come out and say it, but let's, let's, let, we're going to be super transparent. Every pastor feels the weight to be known in their community. I mean, cause we want to help the community. So why wouldn't we want to be known in the community? So I feel like there is this thing of like, I want to be known, but then again, I don't need to be known. So how, how do you, I think, I think sometimes God will lit us out on that because he knows what we can and cannot handle. And if we push against that lid, it just looks like we're trying too hard. Does that make sense? Um, and, and then sometimes God opens up spaces. I see that in some of y'all's in some of your own ministries, how like you didn't ask for that. I think that's why I can rag on some of you guys because y'all haven't asked to have certain platforms that you have. And I think that's why God gives you what he gives you. 
Well, and I think people can smell if you are trying to be that guy. Mm. It is, if we were not recording this to send out to people that we don't know super well, we could, you know, hit stop recording and we could all list three or four people that we would all chuckle and be like, oh yeah, man, that's someone that is trying really, really hard to Mm. be known as this, that, or the other. And I, I think just in general, you can tell when it's happening naturally and when someone is seeking it out and climbing and only shaking hands with the people that are going to get them farther, or when someone is doing good ministry and because they're doing good ministry, they're attracting good people mm. and they're getting good opportunities. Mm. There's a big difference between the two. Yeah. And Andrew, we talk about this all the time, dude, even not, not just on a, the podcast or on our show, but just personally, we, we talk about this idea of how do you, how do you know if they're an expert in ministry? They are, they proclaim they're an expert in yeah, it. Like that's it. They just, they just yeah. say it. <laughs> hey, buy my, buy my book. Right. It's published by me because I can't trust Zondervan. Uh, <laughs> they don't trust me. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, I, but in this world of digital marketing, it doesn't matter if you know what you're talking about. It matters if you know how to market it. Right. And so there's, we're, we're in an age, you know, we were saying earlier that, a generation ago, no pastor would ever have to worry about, uh, you know, posting what Falwell posted because they just wouldn't have had the option to post it. So it would have been funny for the people that were there on that yacht. But a generation ago, idiots could not market themselves as geniuses. But here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know one of the he gives some really good litmus tests of like how do we na- manage this. One of the ones he says is, um, "Are my actions calling attention to myself or to Jesus?" And I think that to me needs to be kind of a North star for a lot of us is like, okay, why am I doing this? And not, now, but we all know because we're pastors, we're wordsmiths, we can create the mental gymnastics, right? To say, oh yeah, I need to do this because the kingdom needs it, right? So mm-hmm. if you feel like you have to do mental gymnastics, I think that's another sign that maybe this isn't a space or an ambition you should be pursuing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. One, 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 you get, you made me remember this one small yeah. little litmus test or like thing that when you write your sermons that can help you deal with your ambitions or, or, or what you're promoting is when you are talking about like a moral figure in an illustration in your sermon, if it always points back to you doing the right thing, then mm-hmm. there's probably something wrong, right? Like, like oftentimes I'm self-deprecating because that's my sense of humor but oftentimes I much more quickly will show like my fault of like, yeah, I get angry. Like I, 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 I was, I was short tempered. I was uh, vain. I was whatever, rather than saying like in the face of sin, I was triumphant. Not that that's not real, but if right. every sermon is me showing how awesome I am with the Holy spirit, right. then there's probably something wrong where I rather, you talked about this in uh, the morning after ministry this morning is I would use the story of the lady who on her, de- on her deathbed, you're thinking about her pressure washing your church. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I would exalt other people demonstrating godliness before myself, because that's when you start making it where I'm the man of the cloth. He's untouchable. He look how godly he is. Cause every sermon he's showing how he resists sin, how, how godly he is, how perfect he is. And if that's all my people are hearing and not like, how like <laughs> I have this wicked depraved flesh that everyone else has, then then that's where we can start kind of exalting ourselves. Where I rather make it about if I'm gonna if I'm gonna say, look at how someone 
lived a godly characteristic, I'm going to try to find someone else before I point to myself. Yeah. Because then I feel like that's getting it's teetering too close to my own exaltation. Right? Yeah. I think yeah. being the punchline as the pastor, mm-hmm. it just not only is it good for not coming across as that guy, but to show your people, hey, look how dumb I am, or or look how. You know, look how this trips me up. Right. It's a classic Doug Fields move. So if you've been in youth ministry for any length of time, Doug Fields is the king of this. If you've ever heard him speak, whether it's at a conference or in a sermon, he is so good about putting himself down in a playful way, but it also brings him to a place where it's like, okay, he's not elevated to this other world. And I think as pastors, that's kind of where we need to be as well. And in sermon preaching, I think, yes, we are not always the kings. I think I think it's sometimes say I'm a human and it's okay to say you have the victory, but man, on the, on the whole, like throwing it on other people's wise. But I also say we need to translate that to what we were talking about at the open onset of this episode about posting online. I've heard those pastors there. It's like a humble brag. It's, it's the picture of their eyes in their forehead and behind them is like 2000 people. And it's like, I'm so humble that this mega church would fly me halfway across the world. So I could speak <laughs> to these 3,500 people about their need right for Christ. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm, uh, I'm scrolling I'm, through oh, Frank's I'm Instagram right now. Hold up. The only reason I know this is because I was going to do this. I went and spoke at this school and uh, I took a picture of, of like me. I'm like, and as I'm about to go hit enter, I'm like, and this, this was just on me, but it's like, dude, that's my heart checking me. Right. Like, why am I doing that? You know? So, but it does help market you better, but yeah. I gave Tim so much crap. He had changed his Facebook profile picture, like himself holding okay. a microphone. There was something. no crowd. It was me holding a Bible, <laughs> uh, but it was for the record. It was like, I it was very much. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and I gave him. Okay, that profile so picture lasted trip. about eight hours. I took it down. And boy, did we have fun laughing about it! Oh boy, <laughs> friends are the best. And a friend's a friend forever. All right, so if let me give you a, a douchebag. <laughs> let me push you. Let me push back a little bit because I do yeah. think you know the self-deprecating thing. You can take it too far, and yeah. I mean we have to deal with you know Paul saying, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." And being able to say that to people as well. So I don't know, you know, there's, there, it's just, we're going to live in a tension and that's just kind of, that's part of the the chair we sit in, so to speak, as the, the main leader of a, of a congregation. I actually read an article today. Uh, and when you brought up this uh, clergy cliff note, Dell, it made me think of it. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Scott McKnight is. He's a new Testament scholar. He wrote a book called the blue parakeet would recommend you read it. Uh, you might not agree with it, but it's good to read. But he he has a uh, blog on CT uh, called Jesus Creed, and he just released a uh, post uh, today called "Help My Pastor Is a Narcissist." And Ooh. there's some there's some crossover. <laughs> but he, he here is um, he uses the Mayo Clinic clinical summary of narcissism because it is a clinical you know uh, diagnosis. But here's five sort of. Uh, uh, here's five ways to know that you're a narcissist or that your pastor is a narcissist, which is what this article is about. But if go. these hit you, then it's, you know, it would be a good thing to, to, to really think through. Number one, if you have an inflated sense of importance, number two, if you have a need for admiration, this is a big one for me. Number three, if you have signs of troubled relationships in your life, like if you, if you have a bunch of relationships in your life that are troubled or tense, and then number four, a lack of empathy for others, and number five, you're vulnerable to the slightest criticism. So mm-hmm. if you have those, then I think you you know it's it's a good 
thing to do some heart checking and pray through because you those are the, an Enneagram three. I mean, so, uh, I would recommend maybe we can put that, this blog post in the, uh, show notes as well, but it's a, it's a good one. Yeah. So, I mean, what you guys are all saying is it really does come back to, it's not just what's going on the external, but it's what's going on the internal too, because I do have some friends, man, they could post a picture of themselves in front of a crowd. And like, I know that's coming from a, a genuine place, you know? But uh, because I do struggle with that, which is some woundedness, even from my childhood, just being the geek in class, I know why I would post that. So I, I do think it is it's, it's hard for us to just make a blanket statement. But I think what I'm really driving at is not choking on your aspirations and like checking your own heart with everything you say and you post. Where is it really coming from? The well, because my, my mama always said in her South Carolina accent what's down in the well is going to come up in the bucket. There you go, Mama. Thanks, Mama. (laughs) And we're good. All right. Uh, Let me clap. All right. All right. These are some great clergy cliff notes. Let's transition into our last main segment. Or not our last one, but uh, the main discussion. We're going to talk about um, membership resignation. And so here's why this is on my mind. This has been a weird time for probably all of our churches. As we have not only dealt with COVID, that because of COVID, it's kind of politicized our decisions, whether we open or close or how we meet and stuff like that, whether we require masks, like that stuff has affected our, like people have looked at us differently based on those decisions. And then if you did anything when it came to uh, George Floyd's death, Black Lives Matter, all that kind of stuff, you may have had some people in your church that were pretty upset whether you made a sermon that was about racial reconciliation or maybe you made a sermon that wasn't about that or maybe you didn't say anything and so i feel like i i don't know if barna is ever going to do a study or lifeway research to do a study like how many people have turned in membership resignations because i'm sure it's astronomical (laughs) i like i'm sure that like people have moved around plus added to the fact that now church you can now see any church everywhere you can see what other churches in your city are doing and so people are like virtual church hopping and I just know that I have had people in my church who are close friends of mine who were in my ministry who have now I've seen in my email inbox that they have given me a membership resignation. And so a couple of things I've noticed is like, I don't know if there is a, I've never heard of a clear formal process of how to resign as a member of a church. Like I've never heard that in my membership classes. Like now if you were to leave, this is what you should do. I've never heard that before. And so I've noticed that when people leave, I'll get a, an email that I'm CC'd on with a bunch of other pastors. Um, I was told privately in a BCC that was emailed to like elders or something. Like there's just so many different things. And the reasons why people are leaving are all across the board. I've, I saw an email. One said that our church was leaning towards Marxism and, and stuff like that. And then I saw another church where it said like, we are watering down the gospel. And it's like, I don't think either of those things are true, but like, mm. My youth pastor in me says, hey, go to a church that is going to serve you well, right? Like that's, that's I guess, my, my, my inclination. But I think becoming this new role as a campus pastor, these things have hit me a little bit harder than when I was in a youth pastor and a high school kid said, the other youth group is giving away free pizza every Sunday night, so we're going to go there. Like it's just, it feels a little different now. And so my question for you guys is, how have you held, handled or dealt with membership resignations? I think I wrote some more questions like, um, what were, uh, how did you handle it? What do you think are the right reasons and the wrong reasons 
right ways or wrong ways to handle membership resignation? And do you have any requirements or expectation from those members? Like, do they have to write, have something in writing? Do they have to meet with you before they leave? Do you have to meet with them? Um, and maybe if you have any good stories and all this, I would love to hear it. But yeah, let's talk about membership resignation for a little bit. Delmar. Yeah, I believe that um, your activity comes from your philosophy on membership, to be honest. And I think uh, when you treat church like a product to be consumed, that you kind of forfeit the right to be upset when people find a better product. Just wow. to be honest. Wow. You know, that's like a, that's a quote. Quotable. Like, I was thinking about that earlier today because like how many times were we like, Oh, we're going to have a better product. We're going to have a better um, worship service. We're going to have mm. a flashier pastor with more hair and you know, like whatever you want to call. Hey now. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I feel you. There's a reason I wear a hat, but I think when we look at it as a product, it's, it's really it's back to that Americanization of the gospel. And I think my, my philosophy that I always try to run to, and I granted, I know that we are providing a very felt thing for people. I know that. But what I believe is if, if you believe church is a, a family, then that's something you fight for. Mm. You know, like I believe you fight for a family. So because that's my philosophy, when someone leaves, I want to know. And I need to step into that conversation just like I would my own brother if he was like, I don't ever want to talk to you again. And, um, and sometimes those are painful conversations because you hear things that you don't want to hear, which ironically is what the people who treat church like a product probably need to hear. But we don't step into those conversations because it's an ebon road, it's a rotating door. So for me, it starts with that philosophy. And I do think it's a, it's a balancing act. Um, but, but when it does, when they're leaving, um, what comes to my mind first, because I try to put myself in the other quadrant is this, um, are they running from something or to something, you know? Um, and, and I, that's what, that's where I go into that conversation. Why are they leaving? If they're leaving, my job isn't convincing them to stay is to find out why. And if I find out they're running from something, well then sometimes I'll just kind of lean in and be honest. But if the, I see that God's calling them to something, um, I kind of release that a little bit. So I think coming from big church world into tiny itty bitty church world, it's been such a different mindset. Yeah. Um, I, I remember being at a big church that had several thousand members. And if someone left to go to the church down the street, it was like a slap in the face. Like what could they possibly have there that we don't have? You know, we, we have programming for every member of your family we have this ministry, we have that ministry. And so it felt kind of like it was a full-on rejection, like, no, 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 we don't like the way that you're doing it. We're going to go here where they're doing it differently. But now being at a church that's, you know, 70, 75 people on a good week, when someone leaves and says, hey, you know, for our family, um, the youth ministry is bigger, there's more kids, it just makes sense for us to be here. I'm like, dude, I get it. Like My kids go to Awana at the giant Southern Baptist Church that's three miles away. And I would say about a third of the members of our small groups in our church are from other churches that, you know, they have the big church with all the bells and whistles, but they like the small intimate family feel of, of parts of our ministry. I think mm. God's going to call different people to different things. And that might mean that he's going to call people to be at a different church for a season, especially, you know, we, we say, well, as a new Testament church, well, the New Testament church had one church per town. Maybe there were two churches, right. one for the Jews, one for the Gentiles. 
which is why we have both Romans and Hebrews written at about the same time because mm -hmm. they were to two different groups. But it's not like they the, in the New Testament they couldn't go to the church down the street if they liked one preacher better than the other. So that's that's not where we're at right now. Now I would assume that if someone is in a covenant relationship with you, if they've you know they've signed their thing, they've said you know we're going to be doing this together, they they owe you a conversation. Absolutely. But at the same time, if somebody is leaving, good luck trying to have that conversation with them because Absolutely. by the time they've decided, <laughs> by the time they've decided to leave, they're gone. So you're probably not going to be able to sit them down and have a post-mortem. And if you are six months from now might be a better time yeah. than doing it tomorrow. That's fair, man. I think you just said something that I, I really get like you have relationship with the other pastors in your community. Yes. What I've learned is having that relationship is one of the best ways to close the back door <laughs> because um, I've had people go to a different church and the pastor say, Oh, okay. Hey, so-and-so. So you're over there at Pacala. Like they're like, Oh no, I'm, I'm trying to run. And this guy has a relationship. Um, but actually I think sometimes it helps us fill in the gaps. I had a family come to our church and I'm like, Oh, I know this family and I know his pastor. He's a good friend of mine. So, um, I met with the pastor and the pastor actually told me, he said, Dell, I actually sent them your way. He goes, our church, hmm. the thing you have is actually something we don't have. And it broke my heart because I love this family, but I was watching him they struggle through this. And I think that they need to be there. So simply by having that doorway of communication open, it's almost instead of just slamming doors, it's more like handing them off if we need to. Um, so those relationships is, is real important for me. One of the things I'm doing during COVID is I try to meet with one local pastor a week and take him out for coffee, simply to have that relationship for this very reason. Yeah, Dell, you're right. Relationships are key. We, we had a similar situation uh, last year. Uh, a buddy of mine called and said, hey, uh, so-and-so's here at my church. Isn't he a member at your church? And I said, uh, yes, he is. And a few months later, that guy tried to join his church, and he wouldn't let him join until he sent him back to Lakeview to have the conversation with us as to why he left, and then he let him join his church. Yeah. It was really solid. That's cool. Did that happen? Did it all happen? Yeah, it actually happened. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so it worked out. That's awesome. I don't think it will always work out that way, but uh, it did but in this that instance. That one time, it was awesome. It was awesome. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that is a lot more like what probably church discipline needed to look like in the New Testament. Yeah. You know, because awesome. elders were really the shepherds over a whole city worth of little house churches. So you couldn't just run from one to the other without, you know, there being... So I, I do think that that's an area where... As Protestants, we probably, and especially as evangelical independent churches, we may suffer a little bit because we don't, you know, we're, we're kind of like our own little, we're each our own little thing and we don't always have those relationships. But I think that's, I was, that's what I was going to say from the beginning of this, this section is just having relationships with other pastors. I've done the same thing. Like I've had people come and they start bad mouthing another church. And when you start to say, oh yeah, I know pastor so-and-so, man, I can't <laughs> yeah. believe that's happening. They're like, uh... You know, and, and it kind of shuts it down because honestly, you don't you don't want that because if they're coming to your church with that attitude, you're the next one on their list. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's going to be yeah, six months just, or a couple of years and you're going to be yep. the next one being talked about like that. And for me, I would say maybe equally important to shepherding the people that are leaving or the family that is leaving 
is also taking a step back as the overseer or one of the overseers or elders of the church and making sure that you are shepherding the the entire flock through even one family transitioning out because it will affect a lot of other people in your church. And what you don't want to have happen is and 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 it's it's hard because it's not like something you can control but you you do need to engage in shepherding people's sort of the you know rumor the rumor mill of why are they leaving and what happened and conversations happening inappropriately with other people that shouldn't be happening and you know we had an experience here i don't know it's been a year or a year and a half where uh there was a family that left and they basically just like weren't around anymore they just kind of were gone and so that created a situation where i had uh, you know information that i wasn't at liberty to share with other people but my role in that is to shepherd them through someone else leaving for uh, in a bad way and for bad reasons and that's just as important as shepherding the the actual family that left if you get that opportunity of course in a perfect world like you guys have been saying you would have some kind of in my opinion membership agreement or covenant or whatever where an exit interview is part of the process you know if you're leaving but you just don't always get that and you know, I think to, you know, f- to be vulnerable about it, like, it, it, yeah, it hurts and it makes you jealous and it makes you frustrated when people leave. Like, we're human beings and we we have insecurities and stuff, too. And I think one of the things that I've heard multiple people say to me and to other pastors when they're leaving is they'll try to say, like, well, it's not personal. You know, it's, it's not a personal mm-hmm. thing. But the reality is what what makes you a good pastor is that it is personal for you with everybody in your church because you love them right. as people. So That's good. it's just, it's part of the role. Like it, we open ourselves up to being vulnerable to being hurt by every person in our church. And if we have good relationships for the ability for us to hurt people in our church in a way that is really impactful too. So that's just all part of it. It's messy. I mean, it's family, it's messy. And I think well, a couple, there, there's some time. Oh, sorry, Frank, you had to say something. No, go for it. Um, there's a couple times we just got to realize that it, it's not our job to retain them forever. You know, like I live, we live in a military town. Yeah. I know I'm going to interact with some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life for about two to three years. So when sometimes you have the fortune of seeing the end of the road for them at your church. So what we do is we try to help them find a church in a new space, you know, like if they're, if they're going to be moving to Florida, well, Hey, I know a couple guys that I can probably connect you with, um, who can get you into church. Same way with, with college students. We know one of our biggest drops offs is when they go to college. So with our young adult programs, we actually do, um, guidance counseling, like you would for college with your professor, you sit down and plan out your four years. I sit down, they fill out a form. We plan out a rough tentative, what their next four years look like, who they're going to be in church with, where they're going to be, um, and so I do think sometimes um, not taking it personal and realizing that th- some people you can kind of identify when their termination of membership or transfer is going to be. And let's help them do that well. So that way, one day when they can sit down for a minute, they know what it's like to be a part of that fellowship. I think you have to see things in terms of seasons, too. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like and especially, you know, again, coming out of the first you know, 15 years of my ministry career in big churches and now being in a little church in a big church, every now, you know, every couple of weeks, someone would show up like, this is so great. I can just show up and I can attend, which is not the goal. That's not how discipleship works, but sometimes you've been burned by a church and you kind of want to hit the reset button and then going to a big church for a time 
where you can just be and kind of be anonymous and make sense. And Tim and I joke all the time about the cycle of the people that feel burned by the big churches. So then they want to come and, you know, it, it, it's almost like tourism, like, oh, isn't this cute? The pastor's wife is the children's person. And, <laughs> you know, oh, it's so quaint. And you kind of know in the back of your head, okay, you've got about two years for them to be here. Yep. And then that itch is going to start to scratch again. But the, I think the point of discipleship is to hand them off healthier than when they arrived. Mm. And ultimately it's not your responsibility to retain people. That's not what God has called you to do. And chances are, if somebody is jumping from one church to another, there's some immaturity there to begin with. And our job is to make disciples. So our job is to instill health and discipleship and have people be in a better place. And then if two years from now, they want to be at a place that has a different style of music or they want their teenagers to be more involved or whatever it may be, I get it, you know, and my job is to be faithful. And if God is calling you to be faithful elsewhere, well, then Godspeed and we'll miss you. I, I think, like, Delma, what you said in the beginning really, like, challenged me. You said, like, if we treat church, if we as pastors are trying to create a better product, if we're treating church like a product, then we can't, we, we refuse the right to be upset when people treat our church like a product. Yeah. And I think, like, what, what I am challenged by that is then, is asking the question, um, how do we, because you said in turn, like we turn this into like a family, right? And family makes, like when you're in a family, you the idea of leaving this family is out the window. It's like, we got to figure out a way to make this work. And, and I don't want, obviously I don't, there are some people who should leave the church because their past was manipulative. It's toxic. It's abusive, spiritual abuse. Like all that stuff is real. And so I'm not going to discredit those experiences whatsoever. But we also know that, like, a lot of people are leaving the church for very petty or, um, you know, small reasons that are actually not biblical or not accurate. And I guess my question is, is what have you done in your churches to make sure your church is not a product, but a family? Or you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I love the, like, our church is the same thing. We call it a, a, a covenant partnership because mm-hmm. One, that's super cool. It's not so cool a membership. But two, I think is it's like that's probably a bitter picture of what you're agreeing to. This isn't Sam's Club where you can just kind of get out right. of here. Right. This is like this is a co- we're agreeing to this, and there are some implications that you're agreeing to. You're you're agreeing to accountability. You're agreeing to 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 tithe faithfully. You're agreeing to these things, and and we are agreeing to you that we will faithfully guide you in God's word and 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 shepherd you. So there's there's this covenant that's being made. But how have you of like kind of painted that picture in your church that this is not a a a a gym that you join and you pay your monthly dues, but this is like a a relationship, a covenant family that you've entered into. So therefore, when you are leaving, there's as much implications in that as possible. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's some really good clarity, Frank. Um, the covenant part because you're right. I've you all of us have seen churches that are too much like a family, and no one's welcome. You know what I'm saying? Like you can you right. can swing too hard yep. to where you can't break into that community, no matter what. Um, but one of the things that we're that we I try to do in in our congregation to foster this idea of you're in a covenant relationship is is it really comes through the branch of pastoral care. It's it's I'm I'm making sure that in some way our church is in your face. Like just today, all of my deacons are dropping by the offices and everyone I'm picking up the book. Stop asking Jesus in your heart. 
And inside of every book, I've tucked one entire page of congregants' names and phone numbers. And every deacon is going to be calling through that page over the next um, three weeks. Um, Delmar, you're the man. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I have good teachers here. So like and their, and their whole thing, their whole thing is like, hey, man, you have to create that environment. It doesn't create itself, you know? Wow. So like and I told him, I was like, if you guys are going to be on the front lines having these conversations, well, number one, you got to be able to articulate the gospel, <laughs> you know? So here, here, here's your primer and then here's your paper. So but I think for me, it is it is a lot to do with that pastoral care, because that's what reminds me that I'm in a family. Like family are people that, that we share our struggles with, that we share um, our victories with. But also, um, to your point, with it being seasons, hey, there, there's a time in a lot of families when the children do move away and start their own families and join. So I think it's, it's holding that fluidity. But for us, the biggest stab we take at that is through pastoral care. I think for me, like one area that I think of, and I agree with you with pastoral care, right? Um, I'm really uh, influenced by Jeff Vanderstelt's writing. I don't know if you know that name, but Saturate and uh, Gospel Fluency are two of his books. But he talks in some of his, um, you know, he has like these whiteboard training sessions that he'll do. And what he talks about is that uh, too many times churches are like spiritual orphanages where there's only like one adult and everybody else is children. Mm. And they just perpetually stay that way. Wow. And and I think when it comes to this stuff, one of the ways that I think you cannot... You, you can work against and it, it's hard and it takes a long time and it's really f- can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to conflict between people mm-hmm. is you not solving those problems for them um, and forcing them to actually go to that person. I, there's somebody in my church who, who um, somebody posted something pretty insensitive in terms of the black lives matter stuff. Um, and we have a, a person in our church who is African-American and they came to me and were like, I'm so frustrated at so-and-so that they posted that it's super insensitive. And I agreed with them. I even had actually gone to the person who posted it in messages and said like, Hey, this might not be the best thing to post. Have you thought about this? And I had a great conversation with him. And then, you know, that was like on a Thursday or Friday. And on Sunday, um, you know, my African-American church member said like, I'm so mad at so-and-so for posting Mm -hmm. that. And, Instead of trying to like fix that, I just said, well, I mean, he's right over there. Why don't you go have a conversation? Mm-hmm. And that's probably been talk. five or six weeks. And I've been asking every week, like, hey, have you had the chance to talk to so-and-so yet? Have you had the chance to talk to so-and-so yet? And, you know, I, I think at this point, I'm not sure that the conversation is going to happen. But I think if you constantly are the one that's like, oh, well, this is why and I'm going to help you, then you are making it kind of all about you as the leader and, and you're sort of, you're displaying that I'm the only one that's mature here, which is going to run some people off, man. It might, (laughs) but no, I lost some congregants over doing what you just said. You say, Hey, Matthew 18 says you go to that person, not me. Um, so, but they want you to handle it because you're basically to use that orphanage metaphor. You're the, you know, you're the only adult in the room and you're the one that's supposed we hired you to handle this stuff. So I don't have to do this. Mm. It sometimes can be the attitude. If you're on a church that has multiple staff members and, and, and like, like this is, I know a lot of these pastors and associate pastors listen to this. And, and I feel like sometimes um, you find yourself when you're not the main person and you're like over a youth ministry or a small groups that you become the safe staff member yep. where, where, where mm-hmm. like people can vent to. And I think like the, um, 
the thing that often happens in those situations, it's like it makes yourself feel really good because you know no one has beef with you because they're all gossiping about the senior pastor to you, yep. right? And so it feels really good. But the one thing that you have to wrestle with is is doing kind of what Jeff just said, like because that like constant like pessimism or bitterness that they're feeling about the senior pastor or some other pastor, yeah, they're good with you. But you're not going to be the one that's going to be the reason why they stay there. They're going to leave because of this your pastor. And so, like, one thing that we have to do when you're that, like, go-to staff member, um, even within, like, church staff dynamics, right? Like, other staff members can be like, oh, I don't like the decision you made. Well, like, don't talk to me about I mean, you can talk to me about it, but maybe you should talk to the senior pastor. Like, his his job or her job is always open for you to go talk to that person, Right. And I think, like, one thing over the years that I've really wrestled with is whenever there was a decision really, really high up top, whether it was an elder or a senior pastor move, and I was just, I was a youth pastor, and now as a campus pastor, my thing is, like, hey, I hear you. Let me kind of maybe help answer some of the misconceptions that may be happening because you're not seeing the whole picture or something. But I would encourage you to not let these feelings of bitterness stay within you and just kind of expel mm-hmm. them on me, but actually send that email get the coffee with the senior pastor because it's hard to harbor bitterness when you actually have a relationship with someone. It's hard to, it's hard to harbor bitterness when you actually have the conversation face to face, because it's so easy to look at the senior pastor, the elders and say us versus them. Um, But when you actually encourage them to have the conversation, now what you said, Delmar is true. Encouraging them to have those conversations may be the callous to say, this is too difficult. I'm just going to leave. But that's probably the better response as a staff member than to say, yeah, tell me more and let me let me even tell you why I probably agree with you, but I can't say anything because I'm on staff. Like, well, since gossip is a helpful. sin, I agree. that's definitely better to do. <laughs> I mean, I, exactly, exactly. God, and, like, and, and, and I would even tell that person, like, like, I would be gentle with that person and say, hey, we need to be careful with this discussion because this discussion can easily turn into gossip and slander. Absolutely. And and the conversation that you can have with that person can always be had, you know. Well, and in my that- and in my example, like I have to be willing to discipline both the offender and the offended party, because if the offended party is refusing to talk to their brother, they're in sin. Then they're also in <laughs> sin. Yeah. So they like you can't self righteousness when you're the one that was offended is still self righteousness. And it's still wrong for you to refuse to go and reconcile with your brother. That's why if any one of you is caught in sin, let those of you who are spiritual restore that brother. You know, so it it takes maturity to help two people who are in conflict. And I think what that, again, what that does is it takes the limelight off of you as the problem solver hero. And you're hopefully getting people mature enough to the point where they can handle their own you know, I would love to get to the point where I don't even hear about church conflicts until two years later when they were reconciled for two years mm-hmm. because the maturity level is there, you know? Fellas, this was a great conversation. This is also Ooh. one of the longest episodes we've ever had. Yep. So let me let, let me let, let us let's close this conversation by asking the question of the day that someone asked. I believe his name is is Kale Erickson. I don't know. How else would you pronounce that name? Cal? Kale. Just like the salad replacement. Yeah, very, very healthy. He has this on Facebook. Bad chips, it's, though. It's because two weeks Terrible. ago, hey. two weeks ago, we talked about um, me. We kind of reminisced about a band called Mailing in the Sense of Disaster, and that was like a deep cut from like the mid two thousands of a band. And so he asked us, "What were some of our favorite bands 
when we were in high school. Maybe we could even enter the early college stages if you weren't into music yet. Um, so not into music, like you really cared about bands and stuff like that. So what were some Look, of the bands? Just to let people know we, who we are. We talked about the summit lunch. I'm just going to throw myself under the bus before you cool kids start talking about your favorite bands. Go ahead. I grew up in an uber fundamentalist household. We were allowed to listen to classical music or hymns. I remember being in middle school and buying the 20 foot headphone adapter so that I could plug my earbuds back before all headphones were earbuds into my boom box across the bedroom to turn yeah. on Delilah on 94.9 loves love songs after work, but so that I could listen without my parents knowing that I was listening to secular music as I lay in bed at night with your heart racing. Are they coming in the door? Listening to uh, I love you (laughs) always forever near and far. Um, And then you hum it in the house and catch yourself like, (gasps) Like, Oh no, I'm, I'm listening to Selena. What's going on? Um, (laughs) Cause I'm older than all of you. So don't judge me. So my, my favorite music in high school about the time I got the keys to the car and I could set the radio station myself was just whatever was on the top 40 station. Uh, and it never changed. And it never changed. Late 90s, early 2000s pop music, by far my jam. You, I mean. Oh, not, that's like Backstreet Boys. Oh, love it. Love Christina, it. I'm a genie in a bottle. Eh, not so much Christina Aguilera, <laughs> but I could still sing just about everything. Although she does have a wonderful duet with Ricky Martin called Nobody Wants to Be Lonely. I love that song. So, <laughs> I'm glad uh, that you do. So early 2000s pop music is my jam. Oh, wow. I was um, I was in a Blink-182 cover band in high school. Uh, yeah, so I actually, I was obviously the drummer. Uh, that same band also doubled as a traveling praise band. <laughs> so course. there would be times where we'd play Blink-182 or we would play praise and worship or music. Or you'd play Delirious. Or we would play <laughs> Delirious, which is a song that we played the night I met my wife when I was at a youth group back to school bash in my traveling praise band. Uh, no. But my okay, my, my Tim, fave- let me ask you okay. let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you mm-hmm. ever do the thing where you were like about to play at a youth group and you all started playing a little bit of Blink One Eighty Two to warm up just to see if every time else? Oh, oh yeah, every every it. single or a time. Sadie Hawkins dance yeah. in there. Yeah. I, we did Sadie Hawkins dance the night I met my wife. I, I see your mm-hmm album behind you on the wall, Dale. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's I, I see I it back say there. something about that earlier, and I didn't. So I'm glad it came up now. But the when first I, real album I ever bought myself so was good. the Anatomy of Tongue in Cheek. It's a great album. It's a great album. When I was in high school, I was introduced into the Christian metalcore scene, hardcore scene, which is where um, Maylene and the Sons of Disaster birthed out of. But my all-time favorite high school band was Under Oath. And I'm I'm oh. still a sucker for Under Oath because I I paid $15 two weeks ago to watch their you live stream. It? I did. I oh, was it good? I, I saw- it was I, great. I saw the first song and I'm like, I wanted to. They, it was uh, the their only chasing safety album. They're in cover to cover the oh, entire album. That's the best album. That's it was my favorite album. I I was trying to fight back the tears. My kids were so confused why Daddy was so emotional watching this live stream. But they're so screaming, good. Daddy. Why are you crying? Why are they so angry? They're my not kids angry. feel the same way when they catch me watching in sync videos on YouTube. <laughs> why is Daddy crying? Watching this, I promise you. Why are they all wearing cable knit sweaters? I'm so confused. Why does their hair all look like Caesar? Delmar, what what, uh, what were the bands you listened to? Well, I I was a guitar player in my youth group and a bass player too. So I migrated more towards more guitar-y stuff. So CCR, man, that was my God. Dude, you just took mine. 
Bro, yes. I knew we were kindred spirits. This oh is the first time God. I met you. <laughs> CCR, Hendrix, ACDC. Like, I, I really like um, talent, talent in your stringed instruments, you know? But then when I, when I went to, man, when I went to college, I went to a Switchfoot concert, which is one of my favorite bands. Mm. But the band that was opening for them was Mute Math. Ooh, and, yes. Oh my so good. gosh. So good. The I just best saw a live show I've ever seen in I just saw Colony life. House in Switchfoot like a year ago. Dude, so great. did I. I went to that one. That was, was uh, But the, the dude from Mute Math, he threw his bass drum dude, into the crowd. Then he crowd surfed to the bass drum, stood on top of the bass drum that was crowd surfing, and then crowd surfed off of that back. Into, I was like, okay. Okay, so yeah, mute math, man. That hung on to me for a while, and now I don't even know where I'm at. I think I'm just lost in the 2000 whatever. Because right now I'm pretty much listening to 90s country music. Oh wow, man! <laughs> Randy Travis, Vince Did Gill, not see that Shania one coming. Twain, wow, brother. I could I could go down the Shania Twain train with you real good. Hey, well, she was kind of a 90s pop thing too. Uh oh oh. I, they don't impress me much. Hey, um, you Jeff, me. what do you got? Uh, I was gonna say CCR. Honestly, like I went into a, uh, I got into music. I was big into Beatles too. Into the Beatles at the beginning of high wow. school because I was also from a somewhat uh, sheltered. I wouldn't say fundamentalist, but pretty sheltered Christian home. So, mm-hmm. I guess the um, you know protest songs from my dad's era were fine. But songs from my era were not. And then as soon as I could drive a car or be in the car with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, it was always 93.3 on the radio. I mean, because... 93.3? FLZ. FLZ. That was the cool station. And Uh, now I get so excited when my kids aren't in the car because I can turn it back on. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I also got into a small band from Tallahassee called Forever Changed. That was part of that, like, pop, rock, punk ish scene. i was into them yep yeah they were so good man and they got distribution at best buy and then they broke up i was like why would you do i that? remember that that was sad but i still listen to it a lot um so i had like a weird phase in high school like i i went into high school i wasn't a christian until i was 17 so like i i loved um like eminem and 50 cent and like really like gangster gangster rap type of stuff but then I also had this like new metal phase where I was just like Limp Biscuit and Corn. Oh, so actually, I, like, I did that too. Yes. Like, and and my was, girl, my wife actually was like, "You got to stop, man! You're angry all the time." <laughs> I was wearing like Adidas uh, shell top shoes and <laughs> and red New York Yankees hats, like, punching people in the face. And it was just really aggressive. But then I got saved, and then like like everyone does, they throw their CDs in the fire, and the hiss is the devil walking away or whatever. Um, and so, so I thought at that time, like, I'm a big Christian hip hop fan now. I thought Christian hip hop was terrible. In the mid 2000s, you which, didn't like John Rubin, which, which <laughs> like, was around, but like his first T-bone, album, baby, he didn't like have this. So all that was was KJ52, yep, and yeah. that was great, like youth group music, but that wasn't like anything I was into. But the only thing I thought was really cool was metalcore, and so like Under Oath was for sure the the like mm. that just came into a time with all this angst, mm-hmm. but also somewhat ambiguously Christian, right? right? Yep. Like when the the last song of the album, Jesus, I'm ready. I was like, see, they are Christians. I, I artists, artists of faith, guys. <laughs> I used the word. 
And so, and so, and then the whole they're not a Christian of, band, they're Christians in a band. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the whole orbit of Under Oath. So, the Norma Jeans, the Copelands, yes. and Me Without Use, the Chariot, bands, like the yes. Chariot. Me without you, um, and I would say the only other band that I was probably super into around that same time, but it was so outer limits that, like, but now it's like no more was um, uh, Divorce Prada. Oh, Divorce yeah, Prada. I love yes. Divorce because it was so like postmodern, yes. right? like, oh, yeah, so, too. Like ABR. So, so, yeah, I mean, I was into like the screaming, but like I don't know, and and, and so. And then there was a lot of local Christian stuff in Tampa too, right around then. Tampa was a it was hot a great band, scene, man. Uh, I'm Christian now that I'm a little older and I moved to like a new city, Baltimore. There's like no music scene here. Was like ironic because Baltimore like was the original. Yeah, there was of, like a, there was some bands from here. Nineties, guys. This is great. Um, hopefully, you enjoyed the show. Listen, if you want the shirt that me and Timmy are wearing right now. Um, again, join our Facebook if you haven't done that practically pastoring. Uh, uh, invite people to the Facebook group. You'll see a post there. Let us know you did it. Go on Instagram. Uh, join. At, follow Instagram. Post on Instagram. Invite people to Instagram. And then make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a review. All that good stuff. Let people know about it. Once we hit those benchmarks of 500 across all, all the board, then we will start giving out shirts. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe to YouTube. Delmar has been doing a good job making, like, cutting up these clips. He'll put the whole video on there. Um, there's some like Easter eggs sometimes. Like he'll put like cool background and stuff like that. You don't want to miss it. The YouTube part is kind of fun. With that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. I am Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. And we are practically pastor. See you next time.